Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Just Finance Foundation proudly sponsors Teachers Talk Radio for Talk Money Week. Join us from Saturday the 4th of November for a week of incredible guests and thought-provoking discussions on how teachers can talk about money in the classroom. Tune in, be inspired and empower the future generation. Teachers Talk Radio, sponsored by Just Finance Foundation, helping children manage money wisely. Visit our website for the schedule and details, justfinancefoundation.org.uk. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Just Finance Foundation proudly sponsors Teachers Talk Radio for Talk Money Week. Join us from Saturday the 4th of November for a week of incredible guests and thought-provoking discussions on how teachers can talk about money in the classroom. Tune in, be inspired and empower the future generation. Teachers Talk Radio, sponsored by Just Finance Foundation, helping children manage money wisely. Visit our website for the schedule and details, justfinancefoundation.org.uk. Good evening and welcome to Education Tonight on Teachers Talk Radio with Trent Poland and Adam Spence. Are you still on half term? How's your half term been? Have you been back at work? Do let us know as we review Education Tonight. Uh, this show, of course, this show, of course, is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, and you can get 20% off at johncatbookshop.com with the promo code JCTTR2324. We're just waiting for Brent and Adam to join us. Um, I did say to them a strong um, prompt 7.30 start. Um, it is still 7.30, so I'll give them a little bit of time before I tell them off. Um, if you're listening back um, on demand, then why not um, check out all of our latest shows uh, back on our website, ttradio.org forward slash listen back. And if you would like to be a host on Teachers Talk Radio, you can, of course, join us. Uh, Adam, you are Hello, live. Hello, good evening. Are you okay? 
Right, uh, whew, what a cold evening, and uh, hopefully ready to uh, warm you up. Uh, Brent is uh, just getting ready, ready. so uh, just to let you know that before we start tonight, uh, this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, uh, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Uh, you can use code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. And Brent's here as well. Hello, Brent. Hello and good evening. Good evening. And uh, what a miserable, horrible, horrible evening, but spur a thought for anybody on the, uh, the English channel. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say as a geographer, this is uh, perfect for you, isn't it? You can get some case studies done and, you know, start to contextualise some of your curriculum. Uh, well, it's, that, that, there's no proverb that says the, um, the uh, first, the, uh, the next disaster comes around when the last one's been forgotten, but we haven't really had a chance because we're still dealing with the flood, flood, flood waters of uh, Babette. And actually, you know, schools as well. I mean, school was closed partially for a while. Um, we had to, you know, get home early because we were massively inundated. So um, this, these things are going to happen. This is, you know, it's a combination of the time of the year plus urbanization plus climate change. And I think as well, it's just, it's much like education. I see a lot of patterns. I think a lot of people expect everybody now to sort of like build flood defences, the government to sort of bail them out. And as I was speaking to people in my local community recently who've had, you know, issues about flooding, and I asked them a question, why didn't you move your stuff upstairs? And, and there was this sort of inertia of like, nobody told us. And I thought, no one told you if you live in a floodplain that may flood. And that when you had the warnings that you may have moved all your stuff upstairs. And there's that kind of, I just think with society, you know, part of the theme tonight is going to be about AI yeah. and about online and, uh, and about, you, you know, where we as a species going and, and talking about education. And there's something my, my, my father, who's, you know, he's not the most highly educated man in the world. He's, he's a plasterer and he doesn't have any qualifications. But I'll tell you one thing he does have. It's called common sense. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think, I think we're living in a world now where people just have to be told what to do rather than use their initiative. And, and I do spare a thought for, um, for those individuals, who, you know, who are caught in, in the flooding. But you see all these videos of people swimming in, in flood water and, and doing all sorts of stupid stuff or, or not, just not using the common sense. And you're like, what are you doing? It's a storm. Batten down the hatches. Where are you going? Or the, the week I saw people driving through flood waters. Just what are you doing? Chancing your arm, driving through flood waters. And, and it's funny that the day or two after the floods, the roads were full of cars that you thought, like, well, there's somebody wearing, you know, a special German car that they think is waterproof. I mean, what do people think they're driving? The car from the James Bond, the Lotus Elise. I think it's, you know, they're going to be. But you were saying to me, your investment in an electric car um, did you well the other day because you were able to get out of a, a bit of a kind of river. Uh, by, yeah, by... yeah, but I'm driving an electric. I know I'm driving an electric car, which actually doesn't have an air intake. I did my research on it, <laughs> so it can go through. But even then, I, I wouldn't risk any more than a foot or two. You know, I did, I, I did go through. Mm. Um, but I, I'm driving an electric car. When you see some of the videos of what some, some people are trying to do, it just thinks. But then 
it's a bit of, I don't know what, where, where we're going as a species. I just think the last couple of years, I feel like, you know, can I get off the, uh, the wheel now? Yeah. Can, you know, we, we see our story last week about, um, the, uh, the children getting their teeth brushed in school. And one of the stories this week was of course, and it lit a firecracker is, um, one of the conservative peers was saying about, you know, the children going to school, not being able to, um, uh, change a nappy, not potty trained, for instance, at age five, and you know this is disgusting. You know the parents aren't doing the job of parenting by, you know, sending the children to school. And 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 I was listening to an online debate on that, and and somebody was like, "Yeah, well, it's it's not the school's job to teach my child that. Is it not the school's job to teach my child that?" And we have this narrative that runs through a lot, don't we? Of where does our responsibility start and where does our responsibility end? And that comes to what. A lot of the theme today is when I started in education, you know, the internet was, you know, MSN. I think Bebo, MySpace came in later on. But I remember sitting in a staff room with one computer in the staff room and, and showing one of my colleagues. This was an email account. Yeah. So and, and I, she sent her first email to her daughter, who was in Hong Kong at the time. And then I showed her MSN. It was like, wow, you can talk to your daughter instantly. Yeah. And that must have been like 2005, maybe 2006. Yeah. I remember speaking to our head of pastoral care at about 2008, 2009, and I was the head of PHSE at that stage. And, and I was like, look, we need to do something about online safety. And I showed her, you know, literally what the kids were up to on their, on their, the one computer that used to live in the living room. You know, that one computer the kids used to have, the freestanding computer that was in the dining room, the living room, and the whole family would use that PC. And that PC would be used for dad or mum for work. And then it'd be used for the child for doing the homework. And the parent would sit, do the PC homework with the child. And, and I was saying, you know, we, we, we have responsibility to make sure these children know about the use of the internet, blah, 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 blah. And I remember my, my head of, you know, discipline saying to me, that has nothing to do with school. That has absolutely nothing to do with school. That's the parent's job. And we're not getting involved with that. I, you know, I flash forward 12, 13 years now. And, you know, I go into the the, um, the year leader's office and practically everything they're dealing with has been accentuated or made infinitely worse by some sort of either, you know, recording device or who said, she said, he said. And it's even the parents getting involved as well. Look at the amount of serious complaints. Um, one that I had recently was colleagues of mine, you know, have been told by the local police it's not a good idea to live in the area. Hmm. Yeah. That they've been, and again, you think how how do people know where you are? Because we leave a digital footprint. Yeah. We teachers are in the trace now. We're you know, and I told you this before. I was telling saying to me recently, "Oh, sir, I like your TikTok account." I'm like, "What TikTok account? I've got no TikTok account. I purposely don't have a TikTok account because I kind of don't trust the Chinese government on that one." Thank you very much. <laughs> but there you are, and the kids. But they have images of me, and they're taken off the internet. And I know Tom Rogers did a really good um thing on this expose about. Um, there was videos made during um, lockdown of teachers who were, you know, taking recordings out of context. So we're in that world now, whether we like it or not, we're in that world. And tonight we want to explore a couple of facets of that world. We're going to explore the online safety bill um, and the, obviously what that means for schools. We want to explore um, obviously AI yeah. and what's going on. And I do want to as well, I may have a guest on later, I do want to have a conversation about the experience explosive revelations that shouldn't surprise any in education that's come out of um, the recent uh, COVID inquiry, which particularly, obviously, you know, we're getting an insight into how government was chaotic 
and exactly who was running the country. Not, as I say, that does surprise us because we were on the receiving end of that chaos. And and I think my school was better run than the government. Let's be honest with you. My head teacher make better head head. Right, my head teacher would probably make a better head prime minister or any any minister than the current you know the, the individuals who are there. And we're, we're getting to see exactly how misogynistic they were how out of touch reality they were, how egotistical they were, and almost, I would say, go so far as a psychopathic, you know, or sociopathic, sorry, sociopathic they were, you know, the egos involved. So I do want to have a conversation about that, and and my guest would like to to look at the current situation of COVID, because that's rearing its head again, and what lessons have been learned, because again, I, I had lots of chats this week with fellow reps that were saying, what's your school doing for COVID? What's your school doing when it comes to absences? What's your school doing towards testing? You know, because it, it, we are still living with this thing. And, and even though the inquiry is going on, there are still, you know, risks. And, and one of the things that we have figured out is, is obviously from our previous conversations is, is how safe or unsafe schools are, especially when it comes to the likes of air quality and it comes to our own health. Yeah. And, and how we teachers are affected by not just the physical buildings which are falling down or full, riddled with asbestos, but even the likes of air quality and, 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 and then the physical, obviously, the physical side of it as well. So there's all of this ties together in one big, neat smorgasbord. Let people kind of digest that, Brandon. If you do want to get in contact with us tonight, please feel free to do so. Uh, you can also, if you want to kind of be a bit more confidential, you want to kind of uh, direct message us as well, please feel free to do so during the show. Um, but um, if I can start with, if we, if we start with AI, Brent, then we can come round to the um, online bill, which is going to be the main theme of the show. Um, one of the highlights for me, I don't know, are you a Beatles fan, Brent? I know you are, and I was actually going to raise that well, with you because you, you've heard oh yes, the, so, the, the, new, yes, the new Beatles. Yes, this, is, this is me now, kind of, this week I've been kind of waiting, kind of, uh, for this release, there was a kind of a, a preview trailer released on YouTube uh, earlier on in the week, and the, the single finally came out today. I have ordered it, um, and I've decided to go through a kind of independent uh, record shop to make sure they get their dues rather than use one of the big uh, multinationals. Uh, but I think the the downside of that is I'm going to have to wait for my physical copy a bit a bit longer uh, while they sort out their kind of stock of it. But I'm still kind of really excited. So it's really interesting, isn't it, kind of, that um, if you don't know, the uh, Peter Jackson, who did the Get Back film and then did the uh, World War Two, was it, Brent? So, uh, yeah, he did, he did the recolouring and touching up a lot of the world. So, 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 and of course, he's, created, of course, he's famous for Hobbit yeah, as well. Yeah, but he's, he's created this um, software um, largely from that to pick out the colour, but then he kind of went on to use the um, the Beatles film, the the shelved uh, Let It Be film that ne- that then became Get Back um, last year and was kind of released through um, uh, online streaming platforms. And what he was able to do was kind of pull out voices and make and give them the full kind of uh, sound modern sound treatment, so you can have that kind of real experience of being in the room with them. And what he was able to do with the the demo that John Lennon left behind was that he's able to pull out the voice um, and isolate it. So therefore they could have it in the room with them as they're recording, as as if he was there, as if he'd have recorded it with them uh, live as a separate track. Um, So it's just amazing for me, kind of all these things are uh, are coming together. Uh, But the... 
Um, but AI has been in the news, not only from the Beatles world, but um, the government has uh, been at Bletchley Park. Be Be Bletchley Park? I think I said that right. Bletchley. Uh, Bletchley Park. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I can say it. Go on, do you say it for me? Bletchley, Bletchley Park, thank you, sorry. Um and they've they've got their um, they've got their AI conference, and um, I think kind of uh, there's a couple of things that have come out for for education. Uh, but before I go through kind of what they um, what they announced, I just want to remind you that back in you remember back at the it was the 29th of March, uh, the education secretary was speaking at the uh, Bats um, show in London, and she kind of mentioned this idea about that there were kind of um, opportunities and risks to come uh, from AI uh, with education. And she set up a kind of a policy group uh, on that, which I don't think at the minute has kind of reported um, any any kind of outcomes of that. But it's cer certainly something the edu Education Secretary had in mind. It was really interesting that she was mentioning it uh, even back in March. One of the things she, was, she said in that kind of or uh, in that kind of speech was about will AI have the power to transform um, teachers' day-to-day uh, -day work? And she was really looking at AI from a kind of um, a workload perspective, particularly at the time, if you remember, for context. It was in the, the height of the um, teacher strikes and um, the kind of the, the, the issues around kind of workload and pay that were brought out. Um, through those teacher strikes and fr from that today um, the government has or Richie Sunak particularly I don't know why it says Richie Sunak rather than the government um, has highlighted the um, is that they are putting uh, two million pound um, into AI, <laughs> AI, AI to, um, to is that two billion is that two billion two million no million. that sounds like Austin Powers I shall two charge million pounds one million dollars. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two million. Is that the sixth wealthiest country in the yeah. world? The sixth wealthiest country in the world is investing two million. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I think altogether, altogether the package is about thirty-four million, wasn't it? For Ooh, oh, wow, that that's I'm sure I'm sure Uzbekistan is probably or Madagascar is probably putting that in, or maybe the Seychelles or. Or some of the other, you know, smaller economies in the world, you know. But that, that's just look. I, I have my reservations about their motives, and my, my, my and my historical sort of spidey senses tingle when I realise why would they be so keen to invest in this type of technology when they haven't been so keen to invest in technology in the classroom. Be really nice if they had invested technology in digital technology, the digital the, closing the digital divide. But all of a sudden, they seem so keen to embrace AI in Okakanami. Yeah. I'm serious about this. I think they just want rid of us. I think they want rid of pesky, meddlesome public sector, you know, wokey, lefty teachers. I think they just basically want rid of people like me. Yeah. Because look, what we find out this week, they just don't like us. Because we're awkward and we ask questions. Well, well, well and we don't we've said before, haven't we, that, um, you know, I think we've mentioned on a show before that we do have, um, you know, skills and we, we need to be proud of them and, and, and get on with kind of selling what those skills are and promoting our competences 
and really kind of selling what teachers do a bit more. And I've said this before when we did, when we had the strikes, I think sometimes teachers don't stand up and really say what they're really proud of about the industry and the sector and, and, and kind of really That's sell ourselves sometimes. This is for me, this is a classic example of top-down, even the top-down economics, like building a big project. They never work from the bottom up. They never get into the actual people who need the help the most. And that would be, in society terms, the, the gap between the rich and the poor. That would mean the digital divide that exists in the working class areas. That would be, where are, the, where are, where are we education in deserts? Where are the digital deserts? Where are those children out there who just aren't getting those opportunities that other people yeah. are? And none of these policies come any way close whatsoever to closing the gap. We've seen that before where private schools are even ditching GCSEs and private schools that embrace AI. They'll have all of this technology. Where's your bog standard comprehensive stuck in the middle of the, the red wall? Just you know, where they point for a second, Brent, but I think kind of one of the things that, uh, that I've struggled with um, and, you know, what I'd like to do more of is to have much more, you know, you know, we've always said before about the thing about the smaller classroom. One of the things that this can do, if it's if it is invested properly and it is used properly, and I do believe that there's a lot of staff already. I mean, the horse I think has bolted here with some of this stuff. I think that some staff are generating their own content using AI and using it to support their workload on a daily basis. Anyway, if I could, if I can do something, if I can use a technology that is going to free me up to have. To, to almost, although I've got a larger classroom, but somehow make that classroom smaller by spending more one-to-one -one time with each student. You know, I, I'm, I'm all up for it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I mean, I, I understand there's all sorts of, you know, pitfalls and potential issues going forward. But currently where I stand is I, what I want to do on my every day, I've just marked some work today, that I want to now go back to that individual student, spend some quality time with them, and I can have a huge impact almost straight away with that feedback. If I, here's a yeah, question, problem. right? How does the internet, information technology, uh, any of that, actually benefited our children's abilities? How? What I'm saying is, has it made our lives happier? And I'm going to be a luddite in yeah. this. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate luddite, right? Yeah. Mission creepage. What is our job now? We are actually having more negative outcomes from the use of technology. Yeah. Kids who are zombies. Kids who are not going to bed at night. Um, kids who are basically now, you know, killing each other on the on the internet. You know, cyberbullying is, is is exponential. You know, gone are the days when kids actually express themselves. You know, if I t if I uninvented all the sort of technology of the last twenty years, would I ask the question: Would our children be better educated, happier, more well rounded? And would we as teachers be more clearly defined as I'm a teacher, I teach children, I go home, I mark books, I do my job. What I'm saying to you is because of the exponential growth in a lot of technology, it's not exactly making our lives easier. It actually creates more problems for us, which need more solutions, which create more problems, which need more solutions. Which create... And I just want to get off the wheel. I just want to go back to being a classroom teacher. Here's my lessons. I plan my lessons. Thank you very much. Bob's your uncle. That's my job. And I'm not doing anything, any of this other stuff. I'm not a social worker. I am not an online guru. I don't want to work in a boiler room. Thank you very much. If I wanted to do that, I would have worked in the stock exchange and earned a fortune. I'm saying to you, mm. 
that we could embrace it like the technology and make it work for us. I agree. But the problem is, like every other thing, like the internet, we start off with the internet going, oh, the internet's going to help us, it's going to help us. I'm saying there's always the negative side of it, which ends up creating more work for us. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but anyway, I, 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 and, I think and, there's yeah. a danger, isn't there? And this is why it's important right at the start of this. The, the internet, I was, t- I was talking to my daughter earlier, and I think I'm in a fairly unique position in life where I'm 42. So I think I can almost divide my life. You're the meaning of life. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the answer, yeah. Um, is that I can divide my life into two, really, potentially, like literally pre-internet and kind of post-internet. And, and where, where I think went, where I think uh, it went wrong, because I was in uh, upper six, maybe lower six, when we first started to get the internet in school properly. There was literally no, there was no kind of policing of it. There was no kind of guidance. It was kind of and go. And there was there was nothing kind of with that, and I think kind of that's that's what's happened over the last um, um, five years or so, or maybe seven, seven, seven maybe seven years. I think that we've just pulled back a little bit, and we just haven't properly uh, done um, that kind of. We could class it as a bit of a duty of care thing, or it could be kind of um, you know, explaining it to parents, or it, it doesn't have to be. I'm just going to say it. I think we're out of control. I think we're out of our depth. And I think we are uh, in the middle of something now, which is rewriting the DNA of society. And as educators, here's the thing. We need to be ahead of the children. I think we're, we're, we're playing catch up. We are so far behind. And I know this from, and I listen to the, don't don't paint everyone, Brent, because I think there's, there's, no, no, I'm not. What I'm saying as, 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 as I think as a profession, I think many of us are overloaded already. Yes. I think we're I think we're overloaded, and I think we are constantly having to refresh ourselves, refresh, refresh, refresh. That how many versions? I mean, I, I feel like um, I feel like a teacher, like a, a Madonna. I'm like you've got 1980s Madonna, you've got 1990s Madonna, and, and I feel like Madonna who's had her face stretched. All, 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 all I'm seeing is with the cones on. Yeah, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, where, where, where was peak Madonna? You know, back in the 1990s, you still, still, you know, and that's, you know, let's pause, let's pause there. Let, let's ask for people's comments underneath. <laughs> when was peak Madonna? Let's just, let's just have that as a question. Yeah, well, it, that, that would be the bra, wouldn't it? That would be definitely the, the cold bra. <laughs> you're, you're saying, um, right. but my point. But that's my point. Is I just, I just, well, the point is the I just want off the ride. I'm, I'm sick of it now. I'm just sick of more, 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 more. I'd like to just be a classroom teacher who goes in one year and sort of goes, "This is what I'm doing." And I just think the last couple of years we've just basically the pace of things we're expected to do. All of a sudden, this government here who can't take the Maslow hierarchy of needs, they haven't got the funding right, they haven't got the buildings right, they haven't got the staffing right, and yet the first thing they do. It, it, it goes straight for, oh, we've got this policy in AI. What? Get your basics right and then think about your policy in AI. And that's my problem. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I just think, though, the thing is, is that, that part of that conference today was a little bit of a, a like a checkpoint 
you know, and I know people like, you know, I've, I've been, I've been on Twitter today with people's comments on this. I know some people think it's grandstanding. Um, some people think it's kind of millionaires getting together. I, I understand, I understand all that, but there, there is, there, there, I think this is a moment where, um, actually we'll look back on it and say, this was the point that we had a kind of checkpoint and said, oh, what, what is this thing and how do we want it to kind of operate, um, and, and kind of work for us. Um, and I think, one of the things that I hope today, obviously, um, we're, we're billed in competition with Richie and Elon tonight. Uh, so thanks for tuning in to us rather than them. Um, it would be interesting to kind of see what the outcome... We are significantly poorer as a duo than, than Richie and Elon. Let's just point that one out. We're, we're poor or better. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, well I, to be honest with you, I, I think they're, they're both very intelligent yeah. men. They're both very successful men. Um, and they both, you know, have certain fields with, which they've excelled in. I think that oh. sometimes, actually, when you look at both individuals, you think, actually, you know, stick to your specialisms in that sense. I don't think they're Renaissance men in the sense that they'd like to think they are. Just take, for instance, uh, what's happened to X stroke Twitter, which, ironically, we are currently using. And sorry, if you are upset by that, please don't um, kick us off right now, because we are obviously delivering this through it. But, you know, I, I do... I do like change. I'm a person who does like yeah. change. But I do feel there has to be change which is managed. And therein lies my problem. Yeah, but, yeah, but that, 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 that's, 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 I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. And that's the point that I tried to make the other week about mobile phones. I think it's, 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 incre it's incredibly challenging to kind of stop uh, an exponential change curve. And I think kind of we're, we're, we're COVID and people being off and children... Uh, being left to in explore has pushed that innovation curve almost exponentially up. And I think kind of that's one of our challenges as a group of people is how do we ensure, um, you know, and we'll, we'll obviously go through this later on. So how do we ensure that the children that we're teaching are safe, first and foremost, in the building? And how then do they go away with a toolkit to keep themselves safe outside of school and going forward as as um you know members of society uh, into the future um and that that, that, that is going to be very challenging i think you're right we we do need a bit more support with um cpd and training and you know how how does that actually kind of manifest itself within the building but it's it is it don't don't get me this is happening and it's moving incredibly fast and and i do but what we're getting is it seems to be one of the first things you hear about is, oh, AI is going to revolutionize. And it's going to, and, and one of the things they always go straight for is it's going to revolutionize education. So Brent, one of the top things God, they, God. they say it's going to revolutionize. Brent, should we just allow someone else to speak? We've got... Uh... Yeah, sorry. You've got a speaker I wanted to interrupt. Thank sorry, you, Adam. It would have taken Brent 10 minutes otherwise to realize somebody else wants to speak. <laughs> um... Yes, but, yeah. Is it, who, who is it? Sorry, I can't... can't... Hi, hi. My my name's actually Tracy, but I'm hiding from Year Nine oh. um, behind the handle. Hi, hi so, Tracy. Okay. <laughs> hi. Um, <clears throat> so I've had COVID this okay. week. Okay, I'm sorry, Tim. Which has meant a fantastically extended half term, but it's also left me in a kind of fuzzy-headed position and needing to write some cover. And I'm not going to lie, I've used ChatGPT to write my cover, yep. and it's done a much better job than I could have done. It gave me some ideas. I finessed it, 
I sent it in and the kids have actually done some work this week instead of chewing pens and reading books and staring out the window. And um, genuinely, I think there's a place for AI in our lives. But I agree with Brent when he says we've got to be careful what we do and not just rush into it. But I fundamentally disagree that we shouldn't be engaging with it. I think we should be engaging with it and quickly and setting the tone mm. so that students know what they should and shouldn't do and how they should and shouldn't use it to help what, what support would you, I don't know. Support would you like? Well, um, for example, I was watching the BBC yesterday because, you know, COVID, watching a lot yep. of telly. And there was a, an article on there brought in by two of their young journalists from their BBC Young Journalist competition. Yeah. And they'd looked at how their peers were using AI. And the kids were very open and they owned up. One of them said, yeah, I used, I used a chat GPT to write a bit of homework that I hadn't done and it was due next period. And the teacher totally caught me out and I won't be doing it again. And then another one said, well, I, I didn't really get a topic, so I asked it to generate me a quiz, and I kept doing the quiz until I kept till I could get it right, and then I understood the topic. Yeah. And I thought, that's where we're at with it. That's what we need to be doing. We need to say, okay, this can actually do a lot of the scut work for us. A lot of that, you know, here's a list of um, keywords and definitions, generate me a quiz. You know, we, do, we don't need to spend hours writing those things anymore. That's what chat GPT and AI can do for how'd you, us. You don't do the thinking it? for us. It just pulls stuff in, pulls it all together, puts it in a usable um, format, and then we take it from there with our intellect. Hmm. It's got the intelligence, it's got the learning, but it doesn't have the intellect. Right. How do your colleagues feel about using AI? What's the kind of... Um, we've we've done we're mostly worried about sixth form NEAs to be honest with yeah. you because it's really difficult to tell what's um, a well finessed piece of high quality NEA writing and what's a, a piece of AI supported and generated writing so we've come to the conclusion that we're just going to have to be very aware of it and maybe do a viva before we put a piece forward yeah. if we think it's excellent and a bit out of character yeah. um, so we've been using vivas yeah. I've done what, that quite what I've been able to do is kind of you get you get an idea, don't you, in the classroom about who's using it. So you can kind of see yeah. you can kind of get an idea about who is using it because they have these conversations. You sometimes see it pop up on the screen as well. Um so you can have those kind of one-to-one -one conversations. Um, yeah. But at home you don't know. And some kids aren't using it because they're not capable, they're just frightened of failure. Yeah. And they'll use it so they make sure they don't fail. But what they do is they rob themselves of the chance to see what they know. Yeah. And, and that, they need to, they need that. to understand yeah. that. That's the thing they need to understand. There's nothing wrong with using it to get you started, but you need to test your own knowledge first. Yeah, but, but, and if you can oh, do that yeah. and then say, okay, AI, I need your help. That's yeah, and I, I, th I think that's the key, isn't it? It's, it's showing pupils how to create prompts that can almost create, mm -hmm. almost use AI as like an, like an independent tutor um, that can kind of yep, really absolutely. part of the work. We need to teach them how to do it now yeah. before they all start developing some truly horrendous yeah. habits and we can't break them of it. And they're all on TikTok going, well, I wrote a grade nine, um, I know if they're doing IGCSEs, you know, I wrote a grade nine piece of controlled assessment and hurrah, no one spotted mm. me. Um, but whoops, you put it on TikTok so now we all know. And, and that's, but, sorry, that's, yeah, the, that's the danger. That's the danger is that we'll have a generation of children no better than Google. Yeah, because that's all Absolutely. Google does. And Absolutely. All, and, so and, our, our role yeah. now is to use it as a tool and teach them just like Google. It's there to help you, but actually it can't replace you. And it certainly can't replace a good, solid bit of thinking. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I, I did that with Wikipedia about, oh, about 12 years ago when Wikipedia came in. And back in the day when he used to set long-winded essays, history essays, and, you know, tell me about, you know, five questions about Napoleon and, and I'd want them to write about his battles at Austerlitz or his career. And, and, and what I'd do is that I'd go on to Wikipedia and put errors in Wikipedia knowing. Yeah, I did that. I got myself blocked. <laughs> Because you edited and you and you I edited them. Wikipedia and then set a research task and saw who just to see, say. and they <laughs> fall for it and they fell yes. they fell for it and actually the parent once and the parent argued went why did that work that that's the child and I working went, well first of all it's meant to be the child's work but thank you for doing the homework with them and how long did it take oh it took about you know two hours we spent the whole weekend doing it went yeah here's the Wikipedia article here's what you wrote yeah and the, the look on their face like post a, a link if I can see that something's been cut and pasted. Yeah. I just but this is a whole new level, isn't it? And stop marking. Yeah, this is a whole new level of sophistication, and yeah. and that was that's what worries me is that the AI is the fourth industrial revolution. It is the kind of I was using the analogy of the weavers in Manchester. So you take your original looms, you know that was a highly skilled job. People learned how to weave, and that was passed down through generation. There was generation of weavers living in cottages, etc. And then all of a sudden, the you know the machine came in, the steam engine. It was water power. Then it was steam power. Now, the jobs changed and the location of what people lived changed. Society changed. And funny thing is then that fed into, you know, huge issues with regards to society, you know, about where people lived, the slums. And but went through the Industrial Revolution, which was a painful thing for a lot of, but that caused a lot of change. And people mm. look back there and go, wow, well, the Industrial Revolution was fantastic. Yeah, well, you weren't a child labourer at five years old stuck down in mine. It's funny that we glorify what great and glorious things that happened during the Industrial yeah, Revolution. Yeah, but Brent, we, we can't started. be the Luddites. We can't be the Luddites here. No. Out in front of it. True. And that's the thing. We can't be the Luddites. But at the same time, we can't be as reckless as what some of those people were during the Industrial Revolution. What I'm oh, saying Lord, no, no. you had some of those individuals that took advantage of the industrialization to, to cream off profits. And, and then you saw the other side of it. You saw the Salters, you saw the individuals like Bourneville, you saw those paternalistic individuals who saw the technology and saw society changes and they drove society towards you know, greater, greater, greater enfranchisement, the labor movement, trade unions. So there was two competing forces going on there. One that was using the modern world in order to enrich themselves and become fantastically wealthy, and the others that you know saw the changes and decided to to motivate. And that, and I think we need to be on that side of it. That we need the technology to be working for us, but yeah, not absolutely. to be slaves to it no, or it's, not it's be enslaved by it. It's just a tool, and we need to teach the kids how to use the tool effectively. Um, and you need to show them what it's for. And I, I, I generally, I mean, I'm in my fifties. I'm not a young teacher, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I know they're going to do it. So knowing that they're going to do it means that I need to manage the way that they do it and start talking to them about it. So when I'm talking to A-level classes about their NEA, I'm saying there is nothing wrong with having your ideas and generating them, and then having a little look and seeing what else comes up, and seeing if that takes your thought processes further because it's a dialogue with a large language model that has taken on board the intellect of the whole internet, basically, up until 2021, whenever it was that it stopped absorbing stuff. And um, it can prompt you to think in different directions, but it has to be your idea. And I, I, I question, take, I take the prompt, sorry. but yeah. it has to be I, I think, Tracy, your, your, your students will Perfect. respect you for that. And I think they will kind of then kind of go off on it. That's, that's kind of where I am. And I've seen there was immediately a, a couple a couple of B tech assignments that were clearly obviously 
um, done. Well, they, they, they were attempting to do it before I kind of checked in on them. And um, now I've kind of just engineered them into kind of using it as a planning tool. And actually yeah. they're seeing huge benefits of that because they kind of enjoy that process of check, checking back their work, using it as a, a space to kind of, uh, you know, plan some ideas away from the teacher. So it's really increased their independence. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's where the benefit's going to be for students and learning is actually you can't yeah. just grab a teacher all the time. Actually, you can use this just to kind of check in. You know, can you have a look at this paragraph for me and kind of see where I am with it and give me some kind of feedback? Um, I think it's really useful for that. I think that's where it's where it's spent. It, it can yeah. be. It's the same as um, I don't know if you guys have come across this uh, look it, which is fantastic little. It gamifies quizzes basically, and the kids cheat like crazy, but it doesn't matter because they cheat and then they learn the answers, and then they start getting it right without cheating, and therefore they've learned the answers, which is what I want them to do. So when someone says to me, "Oh God, the kids are cheating," I'm like, "Well, I actually don't care," because they're going to learn the right answer and then they're going to be well proud of themselves for getting 10 out of 10 when we do this test again in a week's time or what have you. And I've got what I want out of it. So I don't care if I think they've beat yeah. me. I absolutely it's don't. Process, that, that's not my end game. Yeah, yeah. You, you're kind of exploring I, um, a learning cycle or process with them, which I think is really powerful. But I do worry. The thing is, I, I did a, I thought I'd be clever and I did a, a kind of, um, I was doing a bit of the industrial revolution of changes for teaching that to the children. I said, okay, I took the opportunity to show them about the AI, ChatGPT. So I said, right, here, let's do a test. How long would it take you to write, um, you know, a couple of hundred words about the future of mankind? And I said, it's a creative writing task. Let's see, can you do 200 words? How long is it going to take you? And I timed them. And one of my best students got three minutes and 57 seconds. He read, you know, the statement out. It was actually really good. You know, climate change, AI, et cetera. So then I said, I put the same question to chatbot, and it was a couple of seconds. And the interesting thing is, I thought, I thought, wow, you know, this is going to show you what you're up against. But as one of the kids around said to me, so what's the point in us trying? We can't compete with that. Oh, no, no. But when you read it, sometimes it's completely wrong. I've used it to generate really crap answers and then given it to the kids and said, well, OK, so what's wrong with this? Yeah. I've asked it to deliberately build in mistakes for me. And then I've since nothing they like better than picking other people's work to pieces. So I said, OK, so here's an answer to this question. It's not perfect. What's wrong with it? And that's the thing is that some things our some things our children can do cannot be recreated. I think we need to empower them to yeah. show them how to use the technology and not to be afraid of it. But also at the same time, there is a future for them, but they have to change. And it goes back to that thing that I'm saying about we as teachers have to change. Anybody still in teaching, you're saying, you know, I'm in the 40s and 20 years teaching. I'd say that I'm going through that this is my next phase of, of how many times of I've done a Madonna, as we said earlier on. <laughs> uh, you, you know, how many times do you think you've done a Madonna where, you know, you've, you've, you've altered your teaching practice, you've embraced new ideas? You've, you've, well, you've actually, gone... you've been a teacher for longer than I have because I didn't start teaching till I was in my 30s. But the, the bonus of that was that the kids never thought I was new, not once. Um, so I think I've probably seen, I've seen things like VAK go around twice now. So I reckon I'm probably in my second iteration, but I'll stick with my gummy bangles. I'm I'm 1980s Madonna forever, but um, (laughs) you know, I'll I'll keep dancing down the corridors. But genuinely, I I do see what you mean, Brent. These things go round and round, don't they? And sooner or later, there'll be this other thing that because 
when we did Wikipedia, when both of you and I mucked yeah. about with Wikipedia to prove a point to the kids, it's no different than me saying to the kids, okay, so this essay is really good. It's the best I've ever seen you write. Well done. Now, can you just tell me a bit more about this thing? And can you just say to me a little bit about this quotation that you've used? And when they can't and they start rolling their eyes and go, and I say, so how are you going to replicate that in an exam situation? And my point's made. But that's the same point for us teachers as well, yeah. that we have to be careful that yeah, we don't absolutely. become skilled and that we don't get lazy. And not say lazy, that we stop doing the thinking, because as you said it earlier on, is that I've looked at it and I could judge the the AI quality of an answer. And then I've showed that to the children, a model answer. I went, no, no, I'm going to take what that's done and use that as a skeleton. Now I'm going to show you how to do it. And it's that little bit of like, it, it's good, but it doesn't have the flair doesn't no. have that creativity yet and it doesn't have the natural qualities that you cannot replicate in the human mind which is has got millions of years of evolution in there and no. that's what we have to be saying to our children although this technology is scarily fast and is impressive it's no more different than people who, who hand loomed to power loomed and then they had to come up with it it's the next stage of our evolution which yep. we have to be careful of we don't then not give up but give the idea of What's the point in trying, guys, because you can't compete with that over there? Yet, we have still got abilities and skills that we need to develop in children. I think the critical thinking skills, absolutely. The human-to-human interaction, which I think in schools is being lost so extensively at home. I think schools need to develop a lot more of that. But the problem we've got is a curriculum that is so prescriptive and narrow that doesn't allow for it. It's interesting. The thing that could save our children is the thing that we're prevented from doing a lot because we have to online our key dates and we, school, education has become very drudgery and very prescriptive. But actually, in order to be competing with the AI, we need our children to be creative and flu- free-flowing. So we have industrial revolution schooling in a pre-industrial revolution world. And we need our children to be pre-industrial revolution, but they're still being taught in, in industrial revolution schooling. So it's, it's a bit of a mismatch there for me. I'm not, I'm not, sure, I can, I'm not um, sure I can work in a school that like starts pulling me up on the um, the title thing and underlining things. I just, I just don't think I'll be able to cope. I think I'd just explode. Um, no, um, the kids say to me, "What what's today's title? And I say, whatever it takes for you to remember what these notes are about. This, these are your this notes. sounds fantastic. As long as the date's okay, I'm all right yeah. with the rest but of I, it. I, I, I do if I'm hear looking at a certain, certain lesson, I'll look for the date. I won't look yeah. for the title. I do hear of schools that are going around kind of QA and kind of dates and titles. And I just, I yes. what, what yes. is the point of that? This is this no. is starving the kids of everything. Uh, just to let you know, Brent, uh, Paul Foz says Ray of Light is his uh, Madonna. Uh, I've got her dancing in my head now. I've got her dan- doing that crazy dance in her head, dressed as a Texan or something. Isn't it? Yeah, that, that's yeah. I think that's peak Madonna. I like Frozen. I like mid Madonna '96 when she was doing the Power of Goodbye and Frozen. William Yeah, I like I like mid '90s Madonna. Pseudo emo, pseudo emo Madonna. Pseudo emo Madonna. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll put Paul, Paul, Paul thumbs down on that. <laughs> you know, but we're, we're all agreed that the current Madonna is definitely not doing it. <laughs> no, no, she just, she's got enough money. She needs to retire. 
Yeah, yeah, you tell her that. You, you, she, she's under a 7C rendition of and you too as well. There's a whole lot of them actually, but not the Beatles. The Beatles are making a comeback. The Beatles never left me. Um, we had some communication said, um, just a question Do higher education institutions have a way of detecting AI uh, written essays? There, There is software about, um, but I think kind of it's one of the... I've asked this question. Yeah. I have actually asked what, this what question response, of some what, industry. What was, your, what was the response? Uh, there is no there is no categorically um, clear way of testing yeah, whether something is written by AI. Yeah. What you can do is you can ask it. You can put the whole text in and say, "Is it likely that this has been written by AI?" And it will give you a probability. Yeah. Um, because it's a large language model. So all it does is go to the internet and look at what words come before and after this most commonly and build its sentence from that. It's got no intelligence behind it as yeah. such. No. Um, so it can say, well, this is likely to have been built by a large language model, but there's there's categorically no foolproof way of checking, which is why we started doing Beavers, because it's just easier to sit a kid down and pick three or four things from their essay and ask them to elaborate on that yeah. and if they can do it confidently well then it's one of two situations isn't it either yes this is their own work and they've worked hard and they need to be congratulated or they've um, put in the hard yards but they've used some help and they've learned what they needed to yeah. learn well, so either way either, either way it's a well, win. thank you very much tracy for calling in uh, the um these lessons sound fantastic and i think you're doing a great service by the kids and training them in the future uh, we've got s um is ready to speak good evening s um, hi, um, I'm Shardia. Uh, Brent, you actually taught me. Um, so, <laughs> hello. <laughs> and Adam, I think I worked with you for a bit as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, Is that Mrs. Moore? Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Shard? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've been listening. Um, and um, You bring it all back. Yeah. Here. So, um, with the thing with AI, the thing that, kind of worries me and it's not really like applicable to my subject as much um because I teach maths but um the thing is with um AI is the fact that it can produce like a unique essay and when I was in school like I would get things off of Wikipedia but like from a like language development um perspective like I would look up things like or antonyms, synonyms, um, and kind of reword that in my own way. Um, however, with AI, students don't really have the need to do that, if that makes sense. Like they don't, they won't go back and check because they know it's unique. They know that they won't get caught out on that. But was, um, that, and, was that more about your motivation to learn? That, that... Yeah. Yeah, because you, you, it sounds like you were kind of internally motivated to use, use, the, use the software as a way to develop your own learning. Is that is that the bit that's missing here? I think so. And I think that's probably the thing that you want to kind of push with the kids is the fact that you can use AI to learn, but you need to go back and change a couple of things. You need to go back and reword it. Like, you've got the answers there in front of you, but, like, from that language reading like fluency development perspective like going back and looking at that and yeah. um, rewording it changing things 
um, it helps mm. you develop that fluency with essay writing that you can take into your exams. Yeah, I think in the way you're going with that, it's like I'm never the greatest mathematician in the world, which wouldn't surprise you because I mean, I've got a geography degree, so I had to have decent functional maths. Yeah. The way I used to do maths was I needed to see the answer and I used to reverse engineer. So if I saw the answer, then I used to figure out how to get to that answer. So it's a bit like that, what you're saying is, okay, here's the answer. Um, but actually, how has the AI produced that answer? And literally, there's levels of sort of like competency there of at my level, you know, with 20 years teaching experience and the brain I've got with all the information that's in there, a bit of a human Google. I can look at that information, see where it's pulled it from and, and criticize it and say, no, that's not. But I've reached that kind of mastery level of, you know, that level of education. The kids don't have that ability yet, don't they? Right. They, they literally have got very little information, which they don't store as much these days because they don't need to. And that's, I suppose, the difference between my brain developed knowledge-based sort of thinking skills because we had to acquire information through the old-fashioned means of reading it and disseminating it and holding on to it. And I remember doing, you know, A-level essays where I had like 250 quotes in my head from Machiavelli right down to J.S. Mill. Kids don't do that any longer. And that means they don't have a point of context to know whether the information is accurate as point. And that comes down to how much they know. And therefore, they can't always critically analyze the, 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 um, the AI because they know less than the AI, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's about empowering them to be able to ask that question. This is what the AI's answer is. Please don't accept that as a good answer. Go off and turn that. And I've done that recently where I've said to the children, here is an AI model answer. I'd like you to improve upon that model answer, but use its structure, use the way, the way it's done. And then I've got them to play around with asking the, a, a slight variation on the question. So I'm giving them the opportunity to play around with it and giving them the opportunity. That sounds great, yeah. That's definitely the way to do it. Um, um, John, John Lear, just to follow up from what uh, Tracy's talked about, about detection, uh, he's just put the, the problem at this stage is the accuracy of the uh, detection applications. Uh, do you want false positives uh, for gifted students uh, being accused of in, in, incorrectly, um, you know, um, you know, accuse them incorrectly uh, so that, that's the problem is it could detect it could unfortunately detect somebody that's done a very very good um essay uh, jason has also put a really good diagram on the uh, twitter uh, the the feed into comments and um, be great if you could come on and explain that to us so it looks fascinating in terms of um this kind of idea of a sweet spot uh with uh, ai and and uh, we're in terms of learning um so do you say you're a math math teacher yeah yeah, so how are you using it in maths? Is there any kind of specific examples? I've not actually looked into it, and I'm going to after this, but um, the only example I can think of is when students would use things like um, photo math um, with their homework. They'd just take a picture of the problem, and it would pull out a solution for them. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. I'd be, tempted, I'd be tempted to do the version of, if I was a maths teacher, I'd be tempted to, to test it versus... Um, Will in uh, in uh, Goodwill Hunting, you know, <laughs> you give it the worst equation in the world and say, "Here, go solve that," and see this. See, can it do? You know, that's where I would have fun with it. See, mm. test t test whether it's capable of doing the higher 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 functions, so to speak, and then disseminate it and, and sort of pull it apart a little bit of going, "This is how it's done." And I'd be interested to see what it can do with things like mathematical formulas and stuff, because um, I come at it from from humanities point of view, where I'm interested in how it you know, where it finds this information from. That's my problem, is that I worry about, 
you know, where is it pulling the information from and, and whether that information is a, a repeatable source. It's that thing about, you know, you, Shadi, you, you, you know me, you were taught by me and I like alternative ways of thinking. Yeah. And I worry that it comes from the internet. It might take the consensus of the internet. It might take the stereotype. It might take the, the, the most frequent answer. And as we well know, sometimes the most frequent answer is not always what I'm looking for in a subject like history, which is down to, you know, different points of view. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're reading about the AI. It can perpetuate a certain sort of um, a certain way of thinking. And it can be driving towards a certain way of thinking, which could drive our kids towards a certain way of thinking, whereas we want them to explore as many things as possible. So I think AI, for me, there's a bit of a worry about it pigeonholing and, and narrowing, because that's the thing, a bit like Wikipedia. It's the same philosophy. If, if every child is going to a Wikipedia article and copying a Wikipedia article, they're all sounding the same. If everybody, every child's going into AI, they're all going to sound the same. So how are our children going to d- differentiate themselves? How are they going to show their, their talents if they haven't expressed that and haven't had a chance to do it? Because you just end up in a class full of kids who all, you know, I've done this work, great, and they haven't, but they all look good on paper. And then when they come to any critical thinking things, they haven't got the brain power there because they haven't developed that brain power, if that makes sense. So I, think, I, I, I think critical thinking needs to go a lot further down the educational uh, spine. It needs to be right into primary school, right into early years now. And we really need to develop those skills um, earlier on. And we've got a couple of callers. Uh, thank you very much for calling in. Um, I hope you have a nice rest for the rest of half term. Yeah, uh, got, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Say hello to the two brothers for me. <laughs> Uh, we've got, uh, just before we bring in, we've got another caller coming in, Brent. So I just want to say um, hello to um, John Cat Educational, because this show is brought to you oh, yeah. in partnership with uh, John Cat Educational, uh, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Well, you should do. Um, use code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Um, don't miss out. Uh, visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles um, to advance your own professional development uh, today. Happy reading. And they've got loads of, uh, we've commented before, they've got loads of um, um, books that you can kind of um, have just to top up your um, CPD knowledge. Uh, but we also, Brent, uh, like people to join us on Teacher Talk Radio. And we put Absolutely. Come and join the hive mind. It is Teacher Talk Radio. Uh, well, you will be assimilated. Your personality will be added to the hive mind and you'll become part of us. So, yes, please come and join um, the, the Teacher, Teacher Talk Radio family. It's my one year anniversary, actually. It's my fr- uh, one year of, with Teacher Talk Radio. God bless them. So with, uh, um, there you go. With um, Uncle Kevin. Yeah, the first one was there was with Kevin Courtney. Actually, started off big, and I looked at that last week. It was my first anniversary, and it was. Uh, and and I may have Karen Bales on later on. And Karen is uh, Karen's is the um, was very big into the COVID safety and everything else, and was joking earlier on, asked him to come on the show. Um, we talk about COVID because there's a lot of breaking news about that today. Ironically, Tracy was saying, wasn't she, that she just had COVID yeah, and was yeah. going around school. Um, and he was like, yes, the last time he was, I was talking to him, his, his, his daughter was actually about to be born and he was, uh, was going to have to run yeah, off at some yeah, stage. Yeah. yeah, I remember so his daughter's coming to one and she's teething at the moment. You think, gosh, it goes so fast, doesn't it? That's the thing in education, when you're education long enough, it, the years just start to blend into one. 
um, and you have your ex pupils come back to you as teachers, and you sort of think, wow, where, where did that where did that happen? I remember that like yesterday. Yeah. So yes, by all means, one year Teacher Talk Radio, you're more welcome to come join uh, um, us as, as hosts. Great CPD. And it's a great experience as well. So we're always looking to look out for. for right, we've got a couple of people. Um, we've got a couple of people lined up, Brent. So I think uh, I'll, right. I'll go with who was waiting longest. So I hope I'm saying this right, Miss Scatton, Scarton. Is that Miss Skating H? So I say again. Um, Miss Skating H. Sorry, I'm a skater. Uh, I'm a skater. Hello, hello, good evening. You okay? Um, I'm alright. Good, How thank are you. you. Fabulous. So um, this is really interesting for me because I'm an English teacher um, and I've got students that unfortunately are sometimes not in school because for whatever reason and they have to then um, finish off assignments at home. Um, this has been so interesting to listen to because I've got a student who in school usually um, in terms of English language GCSE they're probably attaining like um, a level two or three, like grade two or yep. three for their English. Yep. Yep. Um, they then did their assignment at home um, and they then, when I marked it, um, it was then like a six or seven. Okay. Um, I then thought, okay, this is not your work. Um, I then Googled it. I then tried to find it and I couldn't find anything that related to it, which then made me think they were probably using AI to create their assignment um and i I don't know what to do when it comes to that so i it's more of a question of what 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 do i do as an english teacher when i go usually in lesson you achieve a a grade two or three when you're not in lesson you've suddenly got a six or seven one of the things that tracy mentioned just before was to do a few questions around it um to do either do a kind of follow-up um conversation with some questions or do a kind of viva type assessment afterwards where you kind of ask them a couple of key questions from a portfolio of work that they've recently handed in uh, can be quite useful. So you can actually then, if you ask them, they've got probing questions around the work that they've submitted. If, if it is, that, and it is there, they'll be able to answer those questions no problem. And I guess if they can't, then you can have that further conversation afterwards, can't you? Fabulous. Thank you. Thank That's you. what I used to do with homework when I knew the homework was copied and pasted. And I, I'd have the child go, could you please tell me about this homework? Yeah. And you get that blank stare back. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, could you tell me why you did this? Can, can you, and you can ask those Socratic yeah. questions. Why did you think like that? And, and English teachers are so good at that. You're, you're one of the best questioners of any sort of practitioners because you are very skilled. At, so you ask those Socratic questions of, you know, why did you do this? What were you thinking about it? The other thing to factor in is, of course, like I've seen this during COVID, for instance, that some children with them, um, especially children sometimes on the spectrum, do thrive sometimes at home yeah. because they have smaller classes. So I, I saw that actually with some, some, some of the pupils, actually homeschooling does suit them. The temperature is reduced. They have more time and, and it suits them in a way because they just don't have the stresses of going to school. So I noticed that some of my, my, some of my children, specifically on, on the spectrum, were doing well during lockdowns because they were getting the benefit of the work being set and and, and doing things at their own pace in, in less of the environment which they find quite stressful but the other thing of course is that maybe the parents work or maybe the guardians work so they may be highly too much inputting into it because we do that yeah. don't they? i've had that before i've had to say to a parent you know this is your work the child's work i help them and you think how much is them how much is that so you'd ask the questions about 
um, the, the, to the parent as well, how much help was given, where they've got on. And it could be genuine. That's that it can happen. I've I've seen before where you know students sometimes sometimes it clicks, sometimes it's just changing the setting can change and unlock something in them. But I think your instincts are probably well, right. We, That's we, too big we, a jump. You, you, we can imagine around around here where I live, virtually everybody's an engineer mm. at Rolls Royce. So when my kids had kind of homework, some of the stuff that was going in at primary school, me and me and my wife would look at each other going this has got to be from the parents. Maybe maybe Paul Foz can come on and tell us about uh, uh, primary schools, homeworks with people. Um, just quickly, uh, Tracy, can you just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down whether you've got like a follow-up uh, point on the um, assessments? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to bring in Jason because he's... OK, just just very quickly then, Tracy, because I want to bring in uh, Jason. We have, we have white smoke. Thumbs up. Yeah. Yep, I'll be, I'll be yeah. super quick. Um, I have had exactly that problem. And I did use the question exactly what I did. I said, ask the student to um, wait back at the end of the lesson because you never embarrass them in front of their friends. You won't get what you want that way. So um, I'm a hot English, by the way, yeah. as well. So I'm, I'm leading a team of 10. Um, I basically said, this is a great piece of work. Well done. <laughs> Good job. I just want just to know a couple of things. When you use this quotation in this way, I thought it was really clever. Yeah. What made you think that? And then either that child starts to beam and says, well, I worked really hard, miss. I did loads of reading. I say, ah, oh, did you take longer than 30 minutes to do it? Never mind. You've done a great job. Now you know what you can do. Or they start squirming like Billy O and you say, oh, did you take some help? And then they say, yes, they did. Or they Sorry, squirm sorry and they go away. Really, really quickly. It was, question, it was question five. So it's persuading. So right. their persuasive skills were, for me, I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. And I did, I did think, was it the parents? Um, I did do a bit of a Google to double check if I couldn't find anything. And I was like, no, I can't find it. And then I thought the only thing I could think of is it could be AI. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would do. If you were on my team, I'd say to you, let, let, have a little chat with them and see if you can kind of tease it out, embarrass them into admitting they cheated or praise them wholeheartedly for making an effort and getting it yeah, right. I love the praise approach because it kind of then puts it all back on them to kind of um, discover it. Um, thank you very much, Tracy. I hope that answers your question as well. Um, Jason, good evening. Good evening. Yeah, so you posted a very interesting diagram. Uh, unfortunately, I think most people are on their phones. Is it possible you could explain uh, what you posted tonight in terms of this uh, sweet spot with AI? Yeah, uh, the, the graphic is from, it's actually from a CPD event that uh, I do a lot of CPD on AI with mo mostly college and higher education lecturers and stuff like yeah. that. And it's just, and really going back to a lot of the points really being to address tonight, it's more about trying, stop trying to tell young people or students to stop using it and teach them ethical and responsible use of it. Uh, so that diagram based on some stuff as well that Matt Miller did and it was looking at how do you find that sweet yeah. spot so the, we have a series of statements that people put on a we have the diagram and they, they drop the statements onto the diagram and out to the sort of the far left on the diagram is the the unacceptable so that is a student handing in uh, a piece of work that is totally AI generated nothing no no real input whatsoever we don't want that as educators but then we have to look down the far right-hand side of that, of that sweet spot as well, which is in the most ideal world, then the student does everything with no AI whatsoever, uh, and that's totally unrealistic. 
so it's, it's about saying, right, that's never happening. We don't want that to happen. So you start to drop these statements. Uh, and you once you find that you have a series of statements then that you find acceptable, which usually falls around, or most of them we are finding a falling around a student being able to augment their process with AI. It doesn't really do too much of the actual, what would you say, the, the, the submitted work, but it does a bit of the legwork. So you get to points where maybe a student gets stuck, it helps them get unstuck and things like that. And that's what you should be sort of using it for. But I think a lot of it then draws back to teaching students how to use yeah. it properly as well, because at the moment, most of the people I come in contact with are treating it like Google and using it like yeah. Google. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what happens is they just get generic stuff coming out of it. Whereas we like some of the stuff we're doing on workshops is showing them how to carry out thematic analysis of research papers to make decisions around, is this paper worth reading for my research? So what's your research question? Pop it in and then get it to do some analysis around some key ideas and you load up your PDFs. And the next thing is like when I was doing my master's, I can think I, like I can remember citing 103 papers and then sitting down thinking, I, I think I read about 300. Yeah. <laughs> but thinking if I had this when I was doing my master's, I could have maybe eliminated 150 of those papers just by uploading them and carrying a very quick thematic analysis yeah. on it to say are there keywords in it. Because the, while the title and the abstract might say, yeah, that looks like something I would use. But by the time you've read the paper, it's nearly been a waste of time because you end up finding nothing that is useful for your research. And I just think it's a stress reliever yeah. for students in that case as well. So th there's so many benefits for it. Yes, there are drawbacks and they're there and we have to acknowledge them uh, working in education. But I think we have to really we have to take a different approach to this and stop looking at the bad element of it and try and get in. And I think one of the speakers earlier was saying, get on the front foot with it and teach positive use of it uh, and set this out from the outset. But that conversation has to happen with the students. We can't have the conversation for them. Yeah. You know, as educators, I think we have to involve them in this conversation. I mean, Brent, do you remember us in the basement of Derby Uni on a Sunday, oh, Sunday yeah. afternoon ploughing through kind of research papers? Uh, I think kind of hours and hours and hours in the dark and searching for the golden in the basement of a library trying to go through. Well, that sounds fantastic. If I could have gone through, used AI then to kind of uh, sort through some of these documents. Um, do you want, do you want to come but for me though, there's the one the one caveat to that though is is that there is a certain skill, isn't there, in being able to sift through that information and, and almost train your brain. I mean, that's the thing. Human beings have created something that mirrors their own brain in a while because that's what that's where our brains do. We we sift through and, and and have to sometimes do the hard slog to get to the other side. You know, it's like it's like cooking the food yourself versus somebody handing the food to you. It tastes so much better sometimes when you've cook the food yourself, put the ingredients in, and you have that satisfaction. Same as an artist, when you paint your own picture, you know, sometimes you, the fruits of your own labor are worthwhile a lot more intrinsically when you've done the hard slog. So although it is really annoying when you have to go through all those papers, when you produce your final piece of work, and you've had the, the kind of, the, the, the Michelangelo, Leonardo pain of literally creating something uniquely yourself, I still think that is worthwhile. And, and I worry that the technology is going to create a bunch of people out there who are just going to go, I've done this task, I found the quickest, easiest route, and, and therefore I move on to the next thing. Because that's part of what I think our, our children's issue these days is they take they cut corners. And why wouldn't they? Because 
if it's there, it's so easy for them, then if I were them, I probably would do exactly the same thing. So we have to not slow them down, but we have to show them the skill of being able to still, I suppose, sort out the relevance from the not relevance. Because then, for me, the, if the more work the AI does, the less work our children do. And if their brains don't work enough, then it's that part, it's that you, the Goldilocks, give them mm-hmm. enough work to get with their brains working but not overloading them to the fact that they're they're inefficiently you know, spending time. So it's, you're right, that, that this diagram is brilliant, but it is trying to find, it's a difficult thing to find that. And the other thing that's difficult about that is that sweet spot is going to be different for different different children, different that's levels different, yeah. at different ages as well. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing, one of the things I think, um, it's it's finding tasks that that realistically, when it's augmenting in the process, what do we want to teach our young people to be how to use AI? My background, and, and I can give a perfect example of the massive benefits. So my background, before I got into teaching, I was a performance analyst, data analyst in elite sport. Uh, and one of my key roles every week was taking GPS data or match data and synchronizing it. Uh, that process from match on a Saturday we didn't, so we would have had match data, individual and GPS data. The synchronization process would have taken two to three days. Um, I just for a bit of fun, I sat down, spent a few hours just getting the prompt engineers correct. I executed the process in 17 minutes the other day. Whoa. So, something that took me three days going back eight, nine years ago. I executed in 17 minutes and it and I've been testing the data, doing a bit of validity testing and it's accurate. Uh, and that's that's that like when I'm thinking of processes like that, because it was very much about how quick we could get this data to the right places. Realistically, my data by the time I got there was useless because they were already training for the next game. Yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Whereas what, now, seriously, was it rugby or football or? I, I worked multi-sport. I could have been so I was a freelancer. Uh, I worked in clubs from Premiership football, Premiership rugby, and then worked with MMA fighters, table tennis players, tennis players. Uh, I had I would have been sort of teaching them how to use the software applications and the data analysis and things. That was David Braille. David Brailsford was the, the sort of pioneer yeah. behind that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2012. I mean, he's actually local to where I, I teach, funny enough, yeah. in the Oakland area. Um, yeah. And that revolution, and again, that's revolutionary how you use data, how yeah. you process data, how yeah. you, but that's exponentially what took you three days, yeah. now it takes 17 minutes. Now, yeah. hypothesize, what will that be in a couple of years' time? That will almost practically be instant, won't it? Yeah. You'll, yeah. Get, you'll get real-time feedback, which is like Formula One, isn't it? That's like that telemetry in Formula One. <laughs> But I think the thing is, like, we, we talk about, so uh, when we say our kids going to lose skills because of AI, I think it's about every time a piece of technology comes into the marketplace, we, we have this fear of it stealing our jobs. I can remember the automation of car manufacturing. I can remember them saying, oh, robots, everybody's going to lose their jobs. And all it really done was shifted the labor. People were no longer building the cars. They were just building the robots to build the yeah, cars. Yeah. And it's like that's a good and point. That's what the industri- yeah, that's what I said about the industrial revolution. Like, yeah, the Luddites you know I mean? like, Yes, it was. And I just know, think we're in a big shift, aren't we, in that yeah. cycle now? That yeah. what what are the skills of the future going to be? And we just have to. So one of the key skills are not so much now about generating content is 
can we teach our kids to ask better questions? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the key misunderstandings about the labour force um, in economics. It's called the the lump of labour fallacy. Um, People do go to other jobs. There's no evidence that there's this kind of mass, um, you know, know, unemployment because of new technology. Uh, There are people left behind, obviously, and they need to be supported. Uh, but people do people do move. Um, can I just ask you um, if you had one advice for a, for a teacher listening to this tonight who's maybe a little bit nervous about AI? What would you say to them? Uh, from my point of view, I'm obviously involved in the CPT area, and I think it's uh, go and learn. Even jump on, find yourself a free. We do a free webinar just on ethics, just to get people to understand because we. Hello, Brent. Hello. Uh, I think Jason just muted himself. I, I, I think he might have. Sorry. Yeah, I think it dropped uh, off. Sorry. Yes. It, but um, we we do a free workshop on it. I think I think Jason. I think it's because you're kind of advertising your space, and this is this has got its own advertising. Um, I think that's kind of the 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 the, the, the lag here. Um, um, so. Because yeah. you avoid kind of mentioning kind of your own business, that'd be great. But just talk kind of maybe more generically, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but we've had some really, it's been really frantic that kind of hour, hasn't it, Brent? Uh, in terms of absolutely, I've loved that. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think there's definitely going to be more legs than that yeah. because yeah. It, it's it's going to evolve and it's going to have to evolve. And I think one of the things that worries me is how far behind the sixth wealthiest country in the world is in its education system. And that's my sort of starting point when I get two million pounds was was sort of two million pounds has been stumped up. And and that makes me sarcastically sort of, you know, I'm sorry, but if you are to say you want to embrace this, and, and I think all of us do want to embrace elements of it, but we don't want this out of control, nor do I want to be replaced by AI. Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, the human is still in control. The human to human interaction is still vital. We saw that during, ironically, what we're going to talk about, yeah. COVID. I've, and, I've managed and, to get Jason up on, Brent, if, if Jason just wants to finish of what he's saying. Yes. Yeah. Far, yeah. Uh, does that work, Jason? Yeah. You there, Jason? Hello. Uh, should, should, oh. should we leave it? Maybe, maybe we can get Jason on. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for your input. And uh, oh, Jason. sorry. I, Hello. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Far away. Yeah. It's really. Uh, it's it's get out there and find a bit of CPD, even at that entry level, just to understand both it really what AI can do, but understand its limitations. We learn the possibilities from its limitations, not what what everybody says it can do and look at what those limitations are as a teacher. And once you understand those, I think you make better decisions of whether it can fit into your curriculum or not. Brilliant. Just the one last bit on that. Do you would advocate then, as Adam is, every school then should be appointing a lead person for AI? 100%. As a a starting point. Um, That would be a good starting point, yeah. uh, I'm working in an environment, SEN, at the moment, and I'm taking a lead role with the tutors in there as a consultant. I do uh, three to four days a week with them as a, as a freelancer. And I'm taking a lead role in there. But then I'm also doing some delivery with others just in a similar role. But it's just about that concept of feeding down. Airing. So people are coming to me who are totally against technology and saying, what would I do in this situation? Could you show me how I could use it? And slowly but gradually, I think people are taking on board that this is saving me time. This is now getting to a point where this used to take me 
five or six hours a week. It's now taking me an hour or two hours. And once they see the benefits of saving time, I think that's the real game changer in education because it's the one thing you win in any education environment and everybody will complain about time. Yes, true, true. And that's where you get the buy-in then, don't yeah, you? You yeah. get the kind of, yeah. once once you've dipped your toe in, I've done that, once I've dipped my toe yeah. in, I thought, where's this been all my life? Yeah. But I do have that little thing at the back of my mind going, I feel guilty. I have that little guilt about it going, this is, could be too easy, and that's the, that's the caveat. It can't be too easy. You still have to. You're right about the quality of questions. You still have to go in. Yeah. And how I use it is based upon I've acquired the skills and knowledge that I have through 20 years of teaching and how many years of education. It's about us being self-aware enough to know the pitfalls that we could even fall into and making sure that our young people don't fall into those because they'd be even more tempted to fall into, as you say, We'll have a generation full of children who are no better than, than, than Google's because all they'll do is just search, job done, move on, and they don't learn anything. And they're robbing, they'll rob themselves of that process of which we've all attained that process, going back to what you're saying about the hard slog of getting your MA by going through those 300 years. Sometimes we've earned that right, haven't we, to be where we are now because we've had to invest the time and the effort in. And I think sometimes, as I say to the children, when they're doing their computer games, they don't play their, their FIFA on easy mode. They, they like to play the challenge. They like to go to the legendary mode. But as, as often the children tell me, they'll start out in the easier modes and work their way up. I think the same has to go with AI. And so I think that's the point you were making there about, you know, it's, it's about going that deeper thinking question about the AI itself, not just scratching the surface of it, but literally getting into the semantics of it is where the learning is going to be, I think, in that sense. Much the same way the kids now are not learning, just learning computers, they're learning code now because yeah. they've had to go deeper into computing, where it used to be, you know, computing used to be, you know, here's a spreadsheet and here's an Excel, here's how to do PowerPoint. No, we want children to go a lot deeper into codification now, because that's where the learning is, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. I think a lot of people don't even realise inside ChatGPT, there's a set of parameters that you can adjust to change the way it speaks returns. Like people say to me, I am, I'm asking it to write me like a hundred word essay, but it, it never gets it right. And I say, but you have to tell it to write you a hundred token essay because it works in tokens. It's a computer and like creative, you can tell it to set the parameters of top P, which is the probability of the next word being something to, to 0.5 and then try 1.5 and the whole conversation changes. Uh, and it's, and people say, but where are they? And I say, it's a language model. You just tell it. You, you set the parameter uh, through the language. And that's a, a skill in itself. But thank you, Jason. That's been absolutely fantastic. And that diagram's on yeah. our... Thank um, you, guys. Yeah. I could just so, see, nice I could just see your brain explode then. <laughs> just very slowly. Oh, should we do John Cat and then we'll move into our last little um, last little 10 minutes that we have about COVID? Because I really want to get to, to Gavin Williamson this week and what happened to what the revelations were with Gavin Williamson. So we are sponsored by John Cat Education. Uh, previous sponsor and they've come back for more because who doesn't love a bit of Teachers Talk Radio so we're brought in partnership with John Cat, uh, the professional development books and resources and support teaching and learning in schools in the UK and also around the world as well because we've got global global, global reach global um, audience and even global um, presenters as well so have you check out their latest releases you can use our code which is JCTTR2324 that's JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order so please don't miss out and and you go to their bookshop which is John Cat double, double T by the way uh, bookshop.com to explore a full range of titles so please have happy reading with that that'll make a nice Christmas present you're, for somebody in the profession you're a brave, you're a brave man doing the code twice 
Um, I just want to, uh, we've had a, a couple of messages. Uh, just thank you again for Jason. Um, and thank you for the, everyone's contribution tonight. But uh, I agree with Jason. Um, as a teacher, I feel it's our responsibility to integrate new technologies um, into our lessons um, um, for our young people's uh, lives. Um, and, you know, we've had another, I think this is going to feed into our next bits, um, is that I had COVID three weeks ago. Um, I thought it was a bad cold because no one was talking about it. And uh, I think that's the key, isn't it? How many people have had COVID over the last um, half term and not known anything about it because it's just gone off their, you know, um, radar, really. Um, I mean, I feel a bit snivelly tonight, but I don't know if it's because I've spent most of the day in pouring rain in Derbyshire. Maybe that's just the cold kind of uh, catching catching up with me. Um, but you want just to cover the last piece today, Brent, on the COVID inquiry? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I feel a bit vindicated um, because one of the reasons I got into teacher media was that during the, the COVID crisis, I, I felt myself one of those people that got so outraged that, you know, when, when we were being so gaslit about what was going on in schools, um, I tend to run into run away from um, run, in, run into situations rather than run away from them but of uh, how I was brought up and, and like many you know in the teaching profession I felt that you know we, we had to fight a rear guard action during COVID to you know to be noticed and not to be you know sort of um, guilted into what was happening and and we knew the chaos that was going on we, we saw that that lack of advice and, and it was almost like Lord of the Flies wasn't it we were left to our own devices we had the situation with the communication was so bad the Department of Education was sending out advice and then you know, U-turns upon U-turn. We know that they were partying before Christmas when they should have been actually giving advice. So what we found out was that quite insightful about Gavin Williamson. And and this, you know, this is one of the lesser stories which was hidden by all the other stuff about, you know, um, trolley wheels and, and obviously the, the Dominic Cummins' foul rants um, at the centre of government and the misogyny, which we, we, it's, 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 it's unreal. You know, it's what, what, what we're saying, you know, laid bare in front of us that we had individuals who were, let's just be honest with you, not fit to run a bath, never mind run a country during a, a global global pandemic. But that's my opinion. People can have different opinion, but the evidence is there. But former Education Secretary Gavin Williams opposed masks in schools during the pandemic because he was in no surrender mode with trade unions and didn't want to give an inch, according to the top civil servant. So that's the evidence that was given by um, the top civil servant, case Simon Case, at the uh, the recent inquiry. The comments came from his WhatsApp messages from the Cabinet Secretary, Simon Case, to the Prime Minister, then Chief Dominic Cummins, in August 2020, submitted his evidence in the COVID inquiry. And the exchange came after the government had performed a U-turn on the need for masks to be worn in some secondary schools ahead of the 2021 academic year. And I remember phone-ins where people were like, you know, my child won't wear a mask. And, no, it's disgusting. It's a, it's, it's, it's a you know, a face nappy. And we had the whole kind of for or against and the evidence going every way. Schools were safe. Kids don't get it. All that kind of stuff. And we were in the middle of all of that. But it seems that the education minister spitefully wanted to ignore the requests, which was evidence-driven about the transmissions in schools and that the masks in schools, based upon the principle that he was scoring points against the unions. So his own grudge against unions was driving him to basically not doing the right thing when it comes to school safety. So let that, let's, think that, let's think that about what we are then led by during that crisis. And this is, this is all the evidence. So 
I'm sure Gavin Williamson's got the right to reply and he will speak himself. They will all speak to themselves. But this is the evidence that was presented that the education secretary was in no surrender mode and did not want to cave in to unions' demands. And as a result of that, he was um, pushing back on allowing masks to be worn at school. So I, I, I could say I'm angry about it. I could say I'm surprised by it. I'm, I'm past that now where I suppose, like, lessons need to be learned. And I hate that phrase, lessons need to be learned. But I'd like to know what lessons have been learned because this week, of course, we're seeing a resurgence of COVID in schools, as 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 was suggested by one of our um, posters there. Uh, I had online um, WhatsApp groups of um, union reps all discussing what is your school's policy on COVID. There doesn't seem to be a kind of complete policy still on things like COVID. I'd like some schools are um, allowing people staff to go in with COVID, not even testing. Other schools are testing and giving five days if they test positive. We are back to Lord of the Flies. We're back to is this thing happening again? Can I, can I interject there, you know, Brent? What would be the what would be yeah. the normal policy around illness? So let's say you had no, no I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not. Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not comparing kind of COVID to the flu or any other illness. Yeah. But if you had a an illness um, that you woke up in the morning, you, you felt like you had a bit of a fever. What is the normal policy? Because just play devil's advocate. Does that does, does COVID not just follow that? that well, I'll tell you my policy. policy. If someone's got someone's not ill, they don't come into school because the last thing I want is people coming in ill into school and spreading it around school. Simple no, no, but is that a policy in schools? I mean, I mean, I, I know, I know, kind of because there's there's been lots of times where I've, I've sat next to people, um, and you're thinking. You know, you re- you really should be in bed, and and then they've kind of said, well, you know, I've got to get this done. I really kind of want to get this done, and you can see their resilience. And they're trying to push through, um, you know, and I, I kind of see where they're going. But it, but is is there a kind of written guidance on this for schools in terms of illness? Their individual trusts yeah. will set, or individual schools will set. And obviously, if you're still in the um, you're still a, a public sector stroke, you're under um, local authority control. The local authority will have their individual local authority policy on the many sick days you get, etc. What is the criteria for that? I know that individual trusts will employ HR um, and HR will then say, you know, where's the medical evidence? And they will have a certain amount of um, days where if you are off 12 days within six months or something like that, or three yeah. separate... I, but what, three I, separate think, I think what I'm trying, think what I'm trying to get at is if, if say, tomorrow, I, w- I was kind of... If I was getting ready to go to work t- uh, tonight, um, I kind of didn't feel great, but I felt kind of, kind of felt okay, but did a COVID test because I've got no other test for any other illness... Um, found out they got COVID. You know what? What? What is it that I should be doing? Well, the unions would say that you should be isolating for five days. But this is my point. Individual trusts, and this is what individual trusts have their own policies on what happens. In other words, some trusts are saying you still come into school if you if you're not showing symptoms, you come into school. Obviously, if you're ill, you don't come in. But in, in, some are saying it's fine to come into school. With if you have COVID, others are it's five days isolation, yeah. even if even if you have no symptoms, because obviously they don't want. They think you know it's a good idea to keep people off the rail. I had that conversation with a colleague of mine who was in a, 
he's no longer in the school, so I don't mind saying that. And and he he was being pulled up on the fact that he had a certain amount of days off as an NQT. And one of his arguments was, well, I'm an NQT. I get ill as an NQT because I'm picking up bugs. And we had the uh, the norovirus. And he was, you know, and before, and one of those issues was the fact that he actually asked the question in about February 2020. And I remember sitting in the meeting going, if I had the norovirus, would you want me to come into school? And there was that sort of awkward thing of it. And he sort of looked at me and went, what, what's going to happen when COVID comes in? And it was almost prophetic that he'd sort of predicted that schools would need some sort of policy. And what I'm saying is that I don't think at the moment there doesn't seem to be a universal policy on COVID any longer. It's pretty much yeah. left to the devices of individual schools. Hence why the conversations I'm having with some union reps is saying, what are you getting? Well, what are you getting? It does depend from school to school. The problem I've got with the whole thing is, is that nothing's changed when it comes to health and safety in schools. We've got monitors in school to tell us how good or bad our air is, but we've had no ventilation systems, we've had no acknowledgement, and it's just nothing to see here move along. And that's what really worries me about the whole thing, is, is that if there's another pandemic, and this is a question that was on national television today, if there's another pandemic now, would people follow the rules? Would people now you know, do the same thing again? Because the trust is just not there, and that's what this issue's done for me, is that we have people in charge of government departments who were too busy playing politics and scoring points against unions than they were actually protecting their workforce. Mm. I mean, I'm sorry, that's lions led by donkeys and throwing troops over the top type scenario. You know, that, that's, that's just reckless endangerment and a lack of duty of terror. And, it, you know, and that for has, me... Has, has, that, has that person who was Secretary um, of State at the time for education given evidence yet? Okay. No, they're but they're going to give the yeah, evidence. So, so he, I guess he'll be asked that question. He'll be asked that question, won't he? Um, because this is now coming through the comments. I'm really, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm really. Uh, I know that so there's another show coming on. Uh, we've, we've we've had a couple of messages uh, come come forward about kind of illness, and Paul's also put some comments on there. Thank you about uh, setting cover as well, because I think that's a a lot of stress that teachers have. That I do I go in because I've got to then set cover and that type of thing. So if you see Paul's message there, thanks very much for for for, for, for contributing there. Um, it's nine o'clock, Brent. So I think we're going to be uh, kicked off, are we? We are going to be kicked off. Yeah, just a good comment here from uh, Miss Skaten, which is, as a teacher in secondary school, to annoying. We have mainly expired kits, old kits. We don't uh, pick up the new variant. It feels like the government are again sticking their heads in the sand about the issue. Exactly what I what I'm saying is that, and that's the thing is, I it don't I forgive people for making mistakes, provided they learn their lessons and they put in place things that don't happen again. Same with the children, and it doesn't seem to be that case. We're we're almost what lessons have been learned. We went through this horrible period. And here we are again with uncertainty facing a winter of what happens to one school is different to another. And that shouldn't be that case. It should, it should be a, a universal yeah. policy. OK, well, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much for the uh, phone in today. It's been a really fast show, actually. Uh, I was sat, I was worried it was sitting there in the cold, but uh, really appreciate everyone's feedback. And I think there's been a bit of CPD going on tonight, Brent, which is always good. Uh, people learning from each other, uh, which is always a good sign. And uh, what's coming up next, Tom? That's it for today, but um, if you, you've caught me off guard there, but give me two minutes and I'll tell you what we've got left this weekend. Okay. I should say, of course, that it is um, Talk Money Week next week. Uh, we've got four fantastic shows coming up over the course of the next week, and that's why, unfortunately, Brent and Adam aren't going to be on this time next Thursday. Um, we but, kept uh, off. Hannah Wilson on. <laughs> 
um, talking about um, whether or not financial education is equitable and really, truly fair. And we're going to be looking at financial education in an alternative provision this time next week, uh, which we're really looking forward to. Um, what else? Um, we've got the weekly um, review on Sunday. We've got we've got weekly review on Sunday. Indeed, um, we've got a debut um, panelist on Sunday. Really looking forward to that. Um, you'll have to wait and find out who it is. Um, and yeah, um, talk money week weekly about off on Saturday. We've got three shows on next week, not next week tomorrow. Poppy at eleven a.m., Maxine at six p.m., and James Radburn at seven thirty p.m. All available on the Podbean app. So if you listen to us on Spaces, then why not listen to us on the Podbean app as well and get downloading and subscribing, following Teachers Talk Radio. But we shall um, pack it pack it in there for tonight. Uh, thank you, Brenton Adam. Really, really good show. Really enjoyed it. Yep, nice one. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for all your contributions, everybody. Really, really enjoyed that tonight. Thanks for everybody who phoned in and everybody who sent some messages as well. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.